us from coast to coast. We give you a toast as you listen to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, host of Rutten Radio, tri-host. I don't know how we say, how do you say three-host? I'm the host with the most, and I'm joined as always by the one and only, actually it's two. I'm Father Paul. And I'm Father John. And we are Rutten Radio. We are brothers journeying through life and commenting on movies that provoke us to think, laugh, and pray. From cult classics to classics of faith, we hope you also find the movies we watch help you grow. Fellas, fellas, you won't believe it. I was going to ask you how you're doing first, but I feel like Chunk (laughs) and Goonies. (laughs) I've got to tell you a story. Okay. Let's hear it. Well, I was coming to Rutten Radio here at the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls, at the office building on the third floor of the chancery here, and you got to take the elevator up, and, you know, I just jump on the elevator, you know, just your average dude, you know, just hanging out with uh, me and Curtis Martin and Ted Sri, and then <laughs> well. some other slouch. <laughs> there's, there's a third guy. He must be like, oh, gosh, how come everybody wants to know these two, and then I just stand here. Uh, but anyways, yeah, just got done hanging out with old Ted Sri. And Curtis Martin with Focus. Awesome. Uh, they have some event here every summer or something or every end of the spring. So they're here doing uh, some sort of send-off. And and so anyway, it's just kind of funny when you <laughs> you see, I don't know if you call them, they're not famous, but, you know, public figures. Public figures. That's yeah, a great but then way you're just it. like hanging out in the elevator with them. And then I'm at like the stage in my life where I'm like, I probably shouldn't ask them for a selfie. So, so I would. So oh, I knew you would. I knew you would. I was like John would do this. Oh yeah, and I didn't. So no evidence. It does not exist. Like Chunk. Like Michael Jackson. I get it. Now do you get it? Yeah. Get it. No, okay. So Michael sister- Jackson didn't come into my house to use the bathroom, but his sister did. Oh <laughs> uh, well, here we are. It's June. And it's uh, uh, just uh, the beginning of the summer, brothers. What do we got going on? What's new in your life? Tell me a little bit about what you got going on. Well, I'm in a complex situation because this is all being aired in June, but it is May, and I leave at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning for the canonization of Blessed Charles Foucault. Super pumped. I got like 5,000 things to do between now and then, but I at least have uh, the essential things taken care of. So, uh, yeah, really pumped. Glad, uh, honored to be able to go and be present to that. So by the time this airs, uh, it'll already have happened. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll have heard all kinds of stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm eager. It's going to be awesome. I, I was leaving. And I'm like, I'm going to Rome. I love like, that tomorrow. flight. Like, I'm I don't, going. No, I don't like that flight. <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm up to. When you arrive, yeah, baby, it's Rome. And then you're like, oh, Rome's not so pretty. Yeah, actually, a friend <laughs> of mine sent a message back about the trains and things. And, and they were like, it's really, really bad, Father. Like the city still has beautiful buildings, but our city is like crumbled. Like the infrastructure and the ability to for things to function, and so yeah, yeah makes it grateful that. for American cities. Father Paul, yeah, even uh, as we're recording now and into the future, uh, my hope is for some quiet evenings, maybe a bonfire at the mm. rectory, uh, just some relaxing. It's been busy. It's been busy since. Easter. So uh, it just, yeah, we're looking forward to some quiet. Man. So John's all fired up, getting jacked up to go to Rome. Father Paul's want, looking to kick his feet up and sit by the fire. And, and I'm you? just kind of just one day <laughs> at a time, baby. I didn't you like. I don't even know what to say. Uh, uh, I just want to get into the movie, to be honest with you. Oh, wasn't it something? Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> don't even go there. What? Oh, You don't like baby. it? Oh, baby. Let's do this no. thing. Let's kick okay. off June's movie of the month. We have, well, let me see here. Let me find my, all right, here. Oh, Father Paul's over there. He's like, come on. Just, we got a script for a reason here, brother. You can interact with us by following us on the Rutten Radio Facebook page, as you listen to us on your local Real Presence affiliate network station. Yeah, and maybe we put a little plea out there. It's amazing how many people I talk to. I'm really surprised when people, like, they're, like, following us, and they're watching us. Like, I oh, know. I watched an old episode. I listened to an old episode or whatever. Hey, 
I know you're probably listening at a time you can't get on Facebook, but like, it's always great to know who oh, yeah. is out there. So yeah, if yeah, you're, yeah. if you're sitting in a place where you could go to Facebook and just put a smiley face, put like a little emoji, uh, or let I us know what your favorite movie swag, was. Swag, or, like free stuff yeah. always helps build. Yeah. Remember when we used to do a live and then they'd like, yeah, yeah but yeah. anyway, All right. well, so well, well, we'll keep doing it even if you don't there. give us pats on the back, but we kind of like them. So it is time brothers. For the movie of the month, and it is Lion, L-I-O-N, Lion, <laughs> one word. And when you told me last month what the movie was, I said, who picked this movie? What is it about? And I had this image of Robert Duvall in my head, and it was not Robert Duvall who showed up at the opening credits. So, Father Paul, could you give us the context that is not Robert Duvall? <laughs> yes. Uh, Lion is a movie from 2016 based on a true story of a five-year-old Indian boy who is adopted by an Australian couple after getting lost hundreds of kilometers from home. 25 years later, he sets out to find his lost family. Any warnings or content? No. Heads up. Not that I remember. I think the whole thing dessert needs a warning. What? Like... Right. Like, right. here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'm fired up on this one. No way. I almost turned the dang thing off twice in the first 15 minutes. Well, you have a I can't take of. movies like this. It was grippy. <laughs> yeah. It was soul searching. It was like in your face, grab your heart, put it in front of you and say, do you really know how precious and delicate life is. And I'm telling you, I do not like these types of movies. Now, <laughs> I will give you one oh, which, word. Which, by the way, it's based on reality. Yeah, it's right. true. Okay, right? continue. I'll give you one word. So you always say you like teacher movies, sentimental movies. I do. I do. And I like some sort of depth. But I don't like the ones that like run right into your emotional life, grab it, put it in front of you, and make you say, if this ever happened to me, I don't know what I would do. I'm telling you, ugh is the word I give for this movie. Ugh. Anyways, what is going on here? The movie's set in <laughs> India, and it's about poverty, and it opens up as... You know, any movie would like kids on a train track and whether that's the United States of America and what was the movie as kids with the train track where they went and stand by me, stand by me or Calcutta, India, you know, train tracks. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I see what's going on here with the big brother who's maybe like 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. 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 yeah, Less than 14, don't you think? Yeah. All right. Sure. And his little brother who is like, what, five? Mm Mm-hmm. And they're running down the train tracks, and they're hopping the train. And I'm like, oh, hey, this is what our uncles did. Yep, know what it's like. All right, jumping the trains. And then you see the little kid get up there, and you're like, oh, this isn't good. Like, accidents happen on the trains. As he pulls his little brother up, I'm like, don't drop him, because he could fall underneath and, like, lose his legs. And that's a terrible (laughs) way to start a movie. And then they start stealing coal. And the first situation comes up and I immediately get this sense of dread. Like this movie is going to open up with the death of this four-year-old, five-year-old boy. I feel it coming. And immediately I stopped it. (laughs) I couldn't do it. Like I got gripped by something and I was like, this is not good. I don't like this. And John, I was in, stood in front of myself and said, what is it about you, Joe, that you're struggling with this? I just thought, well, it's my own boys. Sure. Like, this is Leo. This is Vincent. These are my kids. These are the ages of my boys, and I can see it. And I'm like, boy. And and so as I'm like, ugh, I don't like these types of movies, the second thing that definitely came over me was a huge sense of gratitude that I was, like, won the lottery and was born in the time and circumstances I was. But long story short... There's two or three moments in the opening scene that make you think death is imminent. And both boys survive. But I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. 
<laughs> from that moment on, I was like, something's going to happen. <laughs> something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And then it happened. And then it happened, yeah. And I never recovered the whole rest of the movie until the end. Um, so my love of this movie is only found in the depths of its grip that it has on me, realizing that all over the world, people have terrible things happening to them, to their loved ones, in circumstances that are completely out of their control. And I think of the mother of the two boys mm-hmm. and how many mothers in the world there are that just wonder where it is that their sons have gone. As these two boys leave one night to go out to work and never come home. I want to know what your reaction is, Father John. Your one word, your initial thoughts about lion. Mine is ugh. Like, I don't know if I liked it or not, but I loved it. What do you think? A powerful story of humanity and a powerful provocation for the need for salvation. Powerful. So the movie was powerful. And then you said salvation. What do you mean salvation? I mean, you can't even watch the movie. No, I wanted to turn it off three minutes in. What is it that allows (laughs) us to stay in front of that? What is it that allows me to stay in front of that? What is it allows us to even acknowledge these things happen in this world? What is it allows us to accept our own tragedies? Um, Something needs to sort of give me hope, maybe would be the right word. What do I mean by salvation? I mean hope, like real hope. Not when moments like this, all the junk is torn away. All the facade, all the protection is torn away. I need salvation. So I think this is beautiful. We read Man's Search for Meaning at Mount Marty for our freshmen. And so every semester I'm reading Man's Search for Meaning. And he says that hope is the fundamental principle of life that over that re, that we need to overcome the great obstacles. Right? Now he's Jewish, but he arrives at hope and he arrives at love. Love is the fundamental reality of all existence, and hope is the thing that gives us gets us over the obstacles. And so I'm really hearing this. And and I saw it in the movie, and I thought about it in my own life, and what it made me realize, I think this is the thing, is that I haven't really ever encountered a real tragedy. You know, like we've lost our parents, but, you know, they were elderly and, you know, in, in their 70s. Not, um, But, like, all nine of us are still around and kicking, you know, like all the grandkids are around and kicking, and we've come close with a few of them. Um you know, like the fact that some of us are alive probably is a miracle in more ways than one. Uh, but in my personal life, I've not encountered any of that. And it sounds really good academically. Sounds really good as a lesson. Sounds good in a book. But watching it in a movie, God made it really, really close. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I would respond. And I think maybe uh, as I listen to you, Father John, I... And their only way is like, I need help, salvation. I need God. Like, there's no way I could get over that thing on my own. The tragedy that they're about. Yeah. To and encounter. I think, I think even before going to the tragedy that I encounter is you couldn't watch the movie. Like, yeah. that's the place to begin. Like, even oh. the movie, even the story. Yeah. I watch murder mysteries ad nauseum, like suspense thrillers, real life. Like people break into your house, do destructive things, harm people, everything else. There was something about that movie that was different. And, and, you know, I just think that, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll think about it. Father Paul, the movie is lying. Father John's is suspenseful. No, powerful. Powerful. What's your word? Uh, It's two words. Thought-provoking. So a thought-provoking movie about life, family, our identity. You know, so I do think it, it really did get you to think about a lot of things. Uh, you know, you just couldn't, you couldn't really be ambivalent to, to all of it. 
you know, whether it was the issues of, of the orphanage, whether it was just getting lost, losing a child, like all these things, they were real and they were portrayed in a real way that you couldn't just be ambivalent about it. So, All right. So you remind me if we kind of jump deeper into this thing, let's kind of drag the context along a little bit. Let's drag the, drag, drag the narrative along a little bit. For our listeners out there, this is Lion is the name of the movie set in India. It's a true story based on a true story. And uh, it's uh, two boys and their mom. And, and their they're, there was a girl. Well, yeah, it comes yeah. along. Yep, yep. So there is a third. I don't know if she was yeah, she there she at the beginning. In, she was there. Gotcha. So you got a, a, fam, a poor family in India, and you realize like poverty in India is like a whole other level of poverty. Um, Eighty, what did it say? Eighty thousand children a year go missing in India. <laughs> Eighty thousand. These two boys become a part of that statistic. As they go out one night to do day labor jobs to kind of help get milk and supplies for nourishment and sustainment for the family, the the older of the brothers also works at night, and his brother wants to go with him. His little brother mm-hmm. wants to go with him this one night, and they've had a good day, uh, you know, stealing coal, and so now they're going to go do some other t- task chore, and the brother brings his little brother with him for the first time. The problem isn't that the brother isn't capable of doing the work. The problem is that the work's at night and the little boy is tired. And on the way to the, the work site, he falls asleep and the brother ends up deciding to leave him at the train station on a bench, seemingly safe, I thought <laughs> it was a little odd, but maybe they're in a different, yeah. you know, it's a little boy, right? Trying, And so he leaves his brother unwisely in the train station by himself, talking to him, telling him what he's going to do, but really the boy is still in a sleeping state, falls asleep again and wakes up and nobody's there. In the process, realizes, uh-oh, this five-year-old moves around and goes to another place and kind of crawls into a place and falls asleep. The train car. But it ended up being the train. And he ends up a thousand miles away, two days later, halfway across the country, in a place he does not know as a five-year-old. And doesn't speak the language. And no longer speaks the dialect. Right. Gets off, wanders around really as a lost boy, a very child, lost child, and ends up in an orphanage where he is adopted by an Australian family. The Australian family raises him along with another adopted Indian boy. And he would come to find out as a 25-year-old adult um, where he was from, capable of tracking down where he is from, and goes home and meets his mother, meets his family meets his sister, has this reunion with his past life. That's kind of the big swath, if you will, of the story. When we take a look at the themes, the one theme that like immediately jumps out to me was identity and family. Tell me a little bit about what your thoughts were as you watched that, about what the movie says about who we are as humans and about the role that family plays. Father Paul. Or John. Um, I do think that, I mean, family is uh, fundamental to our identity. You know, it helps us to know who we are. It helps us to, to figure out what it means to be, you know, part of a community because it's the first community you belong to uh, in one way, shape, or form. Uh, the reality, though, that uh, for many people, they don't have family, thus the orphanage. Uh, and that real challenge of of that identity and, and growing in that, and what does that mean uh, in the midst of it all? Uh, the gift of of adoption and the ability for family to be created in another way, where it's not biological. Uh, yet there's always this longing about who am I? Uh, because I mean, whether you we like it or not, or pay attention or not, our genetics really do 
have a, a role to play, you know, in that identity as well. Uh, and so Saru is is still trying to figure out who is he because he knows that, I mean, his is a unique situation and that he can vaguely remember that he, he had a life and a family. Uh, and so it wasn't that he wasn't wanted. It wasn't that his family left him. It's that he got lost. And so there's that theme of just being lost in my identity that, that comes through uh, in the midst of all of that. Man, that whole being lost, that for me is the thing, like the reality. Every time I thought about it, I was like, there's actually, this actually is real. Like these situations exist, <laughs> you know, or like the, oh man, I just. Told the you. thing that strikes me about that though is, is uh, the play, how the family that he's adopted by ends up with their own problems mm-hmm. and their own circumstances. So the, uh, he, there's, there's a part where, um, he's thinking about what his mom and his brother were going through when, when they realized that he was lost and um, that he needs to find them. And I thought, well, even once you find them, like a whole nother thing opens up, like you don't even, and then she says something about, well, what if you find them and they don't exist or they died or something? I can't remember quite how the whole thing went, but the realization that like, even once you find the thing that made you look, find your identity, you're still going to be looking. The, the, the mother that adopted him is having her own journey. Mm-hmm. And while it's very tragic what happens to this boy and how it all transpires, uh, it's interesting to note there's no one that is, can escape this need to find a place of like, who do I belong to? Where, what is my place in this world? Where am I going? Um, and those questions of salvation, you know, there's even a song I think that's about salvation, or they they sing this this song. Uh, I bet there's more than one. Oh, in the movie, in the movie, oh. they they sing a song, <laughs> like, yeah. and then they're talking like, about it says, <laughs> you know, the stars came out to search for the moon, and oh and yes, the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and the tragedies of these lives, and then they show the palms of these people, the hands of these people, and I thought like. Here is for every person, whatever your journey is, the need for the redemption of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made uh, uh, and the wounds of his palms that actually are the reason I can have hope in front of this film, uh, are the reason that anyone can have hope in this world, that it isn't just a pious thing. Um, and he, they even say in there, they came out in search of the thief in this song. And I thought to myself of the good thief on the cross, like, Christ is coming out in search of us, and these situations are means with which that happens. Now, I don't know this guy's religious affiliation or anything, but I couldn't help but but uh, connect those things that we want to know where we belong. And if you've ever met, met adopted pe- adopted kids, they always want to meet their biological parents. Um, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. And and do and the need for something even beyond that. That once we find this place, that there's even something more. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that the the uh, adoption conversation, and uh, maybe that's a whole other topic for the after the second half to the show. But the movie that we're watching here is Lion, about a young Indian family that uh, has two small boys that go off to earn a few dollars for their poor mother, and in the process, the one boy. Uh, loses his little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't think of the tragedy of being that older brother who had responsibility for him. Mm-hmm. Like he now, you know, the movie doesn't tell us uh, 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 for some time what happens, but he, the the little boy grows up imagining his mother searching for him and they show f- kind of forward scenes of the mother walking along waterways thinking maybe that might be her boy and wanting to look at his face and and the brother going back to the platform and yelling for Saru and, uh, um, and you know, that, that place of responsibility in life, I, I found really an interesting, what is it that I'm responsible for that mm-hmm. maybe I'm just letting sleep on a bench, <laughs> you know, just in my own life. Like sure. what have I been given that I'm not caring for or tending to appropriately, maybe not even my boys, uh, but other things in life. And then from, you know, the, 
from the mother's standpoint of having her son come back, like that whole idea of in my mind of what it would have been like for the boy to return from work and not find his little brother and then eventually have to go home to tell his mom, I don't know where he's at. Um, really, this is the thing about the movie. I couldn't stop thinking about these circumstances and situations. And then we get to the end of the movie. And what do we discover? That the same night that Saru goes missing, the brother is killed in a train accident on the platform. And you're just saying, what in the world? How crazy of a story is this? Real life, true mm -hmm. story. That a five-year-old boy would get lost, end up in a world away Australia as an adopted child, but at the same time, the mother would lose also her other child in a terrible train accident and yet still never know where her five-year-old was. But they do give you a sense in the, the movie that there are people looking for children. Right. Yeah. That there are predators, that it's not uncommon or wouldn't be unexpected for something to happen to a young child. The movie is Lion. This is the first half of Rutten Radio. You can follow us on Facebook. It's been a great conversation, although it feels like it's gone way too quick and way too deep. But that's kind of the type of movie that it is. We'd love to have you come back in the second half hour and listen, listen to us here on Rutten Radio as we discuss the June movie of the month, Lion. We'll be right back. And we're back with Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network, your local and regional Catholic media network for all things awesome. And that includes the one and only Rutten Brothers podcast. Brothers, that was a good first half to the show. The movie was Lion that we review, reviewed, L-I-O-N. It was a Not gripper. Not the Lion King. Not the Lion King. This one's a gripper. Man, ugh, was my word. John's was powerful, and Father Paul's was stretched to two words, and I don't remember what they were. <laughs> Thought-provoking. Thought-provoking. Holy smokes. So the movie's lying. It's just a gripping story set in India. Good acting. Cinematography was great. I really liked the whole, the whole movement of the movie. I, I, I suppose now this is a brand-new movie or an old movie? 2016. I wonder if it won any awards, man. I won a ton of them. I'd splash all over that thing because it was it was really good. As much as I kind of joke around about, you know, man, I just I couldn't take it. I almost couldn't. It was fantastic. I really really loved it. Um, so we'll get to rating it with our Rutten Brothers three heads and see what kind of uh, ratings we get. But the first thing we do in the second half hour is our shout outs. But guess what, fellas? We don't, I don't have, have any. Father John doesn't. Paul doesn't. We just don't have any friends. No, it's not that. We have friends. It's just. All right. First person that pops in your head, give a yeah. shout out to Ryan and Beth Noonan. Bill Early. <laughs> just start <laughs> rattling them off. I'm not. Tom Hoverston. No, I try to, I try to make my shout outs. Although, uh, so That's... we did the shout outs last, last month. Um, so uh, when they heard their names, they said, we're famous. Wow. Because you made Rutten Radio. Well, that's Boy, kids for you. So Corey's little kids, oh, Riley and yeah. Carson, yeah. when they heard their names, they said they're <gasps> famous. Wow. Yes. And now they get because it twice. Think about it, though. Like, to hear your name called there on somewhere the radio. Else. So, uh, and probably should Angie as well, his wife. She deserves to be in there. But anyways. Sweet. So. All right. Well, Father John, you got any shout outs randomly off the top of your? Nope. I'm not going to Rate the it. movie. I'm going to do it. Rate go on, the movie. Go on Facebook go on. and make a comment. And <laughs> there you then... go. If you want to shout out, Facebook's the place to earn it. Father John, movie of the month, Lion. How many rutten Three heads, heads. Would you give it? Three heads? No way. What? That good? It's I the best knew movie. Something. I knew something was up over there. You've been looking over at me. It's not, it wasn't a smug look. It was more of like a, like, I don't know. You've been giving me a look this whole time. And I'm like, what is going on in John's head? I'm going to get, that's what it is. You loved it. Three heads. Three heads. Wow. Joe. Two, seven, five. I really liked it. It was good. I just, oh, but. Father Paul. Two, 
2.5. Oh, wow. So what does that give 2. us? 2.75. 2.75 rotten heads. Yep. For the lion. best rating of the year. Yes. Best rating of the year? Or some of our others. Well, let's not get into that. Well, we could. That's a way to... I don't know oh. if you know, this is a way to plug your previous shows oh, so that listeners sure. who are out there John go back and listen. Uh, our next highest rated um, was Cinderella Man. Ooh, yeah, that was good. That was yep. good. How close? So our worst rated one was It's a Wonderful Life. Now, that doesn't mean that the show was the worst. It just means that our rating of that movie <laughs> was the worst. But it could have been that. You're the one was, who took it down. Oh, yeah, boo-hoo. <laughs> bah humbug is a better one. All right, let's move on for the second half. We kind of dive deeper into insights and themes that we elaborate on with the movie of the month, Lion. And, and you know, maybe the heart of the movie, at least for me, was family and its role in forming our identity, who we are, our sense of place in this world. Well, Father John, you mentioned, well, both of you have always mentioned, you, you said our sense of belonging. You know, that's, it's, I don't always like to give you a lot of credit and be like, "Ooh, you're so awesome. <laughs> you're the best ever. Yeah. You know, there are uh, truths though, <laughs> there, but there are and you know, the sense of belonging. I'm like, yep, hundred percent. Like, yeah, because that same guy could be, I mean, I'm going to be in Italy amongst thousands of people and not know a language. Right. You know, so so you're you someone feeling lost in the world really has a lot to do with who they recognize they belong to, and who it is that's present to them. You know, and uh, very much so, we're all looking in different ways to know we belong. And you can be in a room filled with tons of people, but if you don't have a sense of your identity that comes from whom you belong to, a home, which is a people, um, you know, and I just. Uh, yeah, and I think in a way, though, to be to be totally maybe to f- touch on the adoption dynamic is it there is something that happens to a family who adopts children in that they have to learn to love in such a way that it's like totally selfless. An an adopt an adopted child requires parents to purify their love in a way that you realize like this one belongs to me um, in just uh, uh, the depths as another one does now might not be biological, but oftentimes parents love their children because they're like them. Mm-hmm. And so sure. the adopted child does have a different sort of rec- like love that is needed because this child doesn't have the same gifts as me. They're different than me. Like there's a biological dimension. And so, um, but it doesn't mean that the belonging isn't possible still. The belonging is still possible and you just have to go deeper into the truth of what it means. And this is where I think in the end you end up in the depths of like the creator, right. the God who created all of us. And, and this is how he desired for me to come to know him. And once you end up at Christ, however you got there is the means with which you got there. Right. I could see that for me. And I was thinking God, the father, like, right. There's, how are my mom and dad, how is my immediate family the conduit by which I communicate and contact the creator? Um, and I could, yeah, I see that. Like it doesn't, ap- after you get there, the circumstances don't matter. And as much as we, we might want to say, well, you know, it's best to if you have mom and dad to get there, the reality is, is like, uh, mom and dads are broken too. And there's all kinds of circumstances and situations that don't like, I can use anything as a justification in my life to not do what I ought to do or to get to where I ought to get. And I can blame my, my parents who were both at home for my anger at God or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or an adopted child could, you know, blame God for their circumstance. They could also see it as like, Hey, I, this Look is this a blessing. Gift. Yeah. Right. Right. This is a blessing. And, and that's really a great life lesson is that all obstacles our opportunities depending upon our perspective that we have upon them. Yeah. And that sort of came out when Saru kind of uh, tries to sort of jab at his stepmom Sue. And he says, sorry, you had to adopt us. And then she says, well, we chose to adopt you. Sorry. You couldn't have kids of your own. That's what. Yep. 
And she said, we could, we just chose, we felt there were enough children in the world that needed families that we didn't need to have children of our own to have a family. Uh, and it was really that moment where, you know, I think again, Sru wanted to be able to wallow in his own self-pity and to be able to say, well, his mom and dad, you know, the only reason they adopted him is because they had to. Uh, and there was this moment where he had to recognize that this was a free choice made by them, not because they couldn't, but because they felt a call, uh, which was definitely a different moment. And I think it was helpful that, you know, the other brother, Mantosh, uh, didn't do so well because it really, again, it showed both the sides other of it. The adopted brother. Yeah, the adopted brother. That, man, that it doesn't always go well. It isn't always this perfect story, you know, but both have to wrestle uh, with the reality of them being adopted, how they fit in, how their parents see them. The mother really still loved Mantosh, even though Mantosh wasn't perfect and, you know, all those things she still always wanted. I mean, they set a place at the table, like even if he didn't show up. Um, but so. You guys remember what the day was that he celebrates? You remember, uh, I don't know, maybe they didn't say it in the movie. Maybe I read this online. He celebrates a particular day. Uh, Who does? Saru. Saru does? Yep. What's like, the most important day to him? It's the day he was found and taken to the orphanage. May 22nd is what he celebrates, is what most people would celebrate, because he doesn't know his birthday. Oh. Right? And so he would celebrate May 22nd, because that's the day that he claims to have been found. Um, so for him to be found was to be brought to that orphanage. And that's where one of the places where he talks about salvation. They name self, he says salvation there at least twice, if not three times they talk about It'll salvation. It'll be interesting to see what kind and, of religious context he and has. And in, in that dynamic, we see the Christian dynamic of baptism, that there is a day that is different than our birth in which we recognize we have been found. Uh, and so the celebration of our baptism day in a way is the fulfillment of what Saru is doing when he's like, well, that's the day when everything, because he did have a very, it was a, a finding. Once he got mm -hmm. to the orphanage, he did have some stability and he did, you know, even though it wasn't his house or his family. Uh, and the orphanage wasn't perfect. No. no. Mm -mm. You know, but it also reminds me, our orphanages weren't perfect either. And maybe our um, no, I mean, housing the, situations yeah, the, today the, aren't perfect. The, and this idea, maybe that task I- task of trying to take care of that many kids. Yeah. So I, I I found this out. Did you guys know that the thing that started my the Maidan revolution in Ukraine in 2014 was there is a whole generation of kids that don't have parents because of the wars in Ukraine. And these young people were basically street people and filled the streets. And Basically, what happened was Russia, probably in conjunction with some Ukrainian leaders, cleared the, cleared the streets out, and the young people just disappeared. And if you, you ask uh, Archbishop Gullickson about it, I never in my life knew that this is part of the heart of the story. And what happened was, is the, ma the grandmas and, and, and the elders said no. These are our children, and you will not sweep them away and act like they did not exist. And that was what provoked the Maidan revolution in 2014. And it reminds me of in India, like there's this whole street culture, right? But these are still human beings that, to John's point, have a sense of place and belonging. It might be on the street that they find it, but even in the movie, you see the natural human tendency to build relationships when the one boy has the cardboard box the first night the kid has to sleep in the tunnel or in the station, you know, and he kind of pushes the, the, the cardboard box over for him to lay on and he goes over and he begins and he enters into a community. Now it's not by any means a community any of us want to enter into, but it's his really, it's his first belonging is on the cardboard box with the street kids and immediately I thought about that's the group of people that now it's probably in Ukraine it was older that that Russia just wiped out and they said and they started a revolution over it. they said no and 
who knows where these people are today. They're probably with our Lord, but family, belonging, a sense of belonging, Father John. Uh, there's all kinds of things that are, are tied up in this with adoption and with the the one positive adoption, the one struggled brother that's adopted. Um, and this is a true story, and you can look it up. But that was what I found fascinating was looking up the pictures of him. And, and did you guys look up and see his mom and, mm-hmm. and some of these others and read any stories? or No, I didn't go. I just saw what they showed at the end of the movie. So, yeah, Father John, yeah, I mean, it's it's all real. It's true. Really happened. Uh, yeah, and the whole point of making the movie really was to bring light to this whole culture of these kids being taken, uh, being lost, like that whole thing. Like this is a real problem, and they hinted at it. You know, again, uh, Saru is found by a nice woman uh, who cleans him up, and then is, from what you can tell, about to sell him into child prostitution, uh, and he escapes it. But again, that reality, that child prostitution is a real problem that we have in our in our world right. uh, today as well. Uh, and so that that fact as well, like all of the seedy side of all of it. Um, I thought that yeah. was going to be the moment of adoption. Oh. I thought that was the going to be the salvation point, and... It was when he and I when he when the gentleman so so an, an Indian lady saves him, finds him on the, the tracks, saves him, brings him back to her apartment, cleans him up, cares for him. I'm like, yes, she's like gonna have a tragic story of her own. She's gonna have lost a boy and he's gonna replace him. And and then the guy comes to the apartment and lays in bed with him and says, This is exactly who they're looking, or this is exactly what looking for i thought oh no no this is not good this is not good and then he escapes and i'm like yes go go run forest run <laughs> yeah so and the question is posed is what is it that makes him escape and what's the difference between what happens there and what happens with the next guy in the was it not, well the one next woman that's in the well, that was a flashback to his mom, actually. The guy who's in the window right. eating it's soup, soup. That, that somehow his heart told him what to do. Somehow he knew he, at this point, and, and he even shuts down with the woman. Once that, once that right. guy comes in, then all of a sudden he wouldn't talk to her in the yeah. same way anymore. Wouldn't drink the pop. And, and yet for this other guy looking through the window eating soup, he brings him soup, and then he brings him to the orf the the police, and then he gets the orphanage. And a really fascinating sort of discernment of how those things would happen. Um, yeah, and and you can also see where in reality trust issues would develop. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, oh my like, gosh! Yeah, yeah. How would you trust somebody again? Oh man! Yeah, and the yeah. other the other thought that just so it, I don't forget it is if if you've read any of the articles recently in the Argus leader that, uh, you know, the same thing is happening to us on our reservations with women, that women are just disappearing. Mm-hmm. They're just disappearing. And we don't know what's happening to them. Now, are they being sold for sex trafficking? Uh, are they just, you know, m- murdered? Whatever the case is, we have our own population of people that people are like, well, you know, we don't have, you yeah. know, for whatever unseen, unseen people. Uh, and, you know, you go to New York city and people live in the sewers and like, America, you know, I was said at the beginning, like, oh, our, our cities, you know, at least we're not Rome. Well, I mean, our cities have their own sort of right. subcultures that develop of people who are sort of off the grid. But the reason that all of these subcultures develop is because everybody's looking for a place to belong. Gangs survive because human nature wants us to have a place to belong. Right, 100%. 100%. Uh, uh, I just was looking at a book over here, uh, Kathleen Norris. She's a fantastic writer. On acedia, is that how you say it? Acedia, Acadia, um, slothfulness, acedia. Uh, but in here, she's t- she's writing about her own uh, wrestling with acedia, and what a, a wicked monster it is. It's just an odd. It's it's a it's a anyway. She says in here she she uses a term to describe her interior life. She says I was settled with myself. And therefore, she was capable of dealing with some circumstance. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting way to describe, like, belonging. 
I was settled with myself. Like she, she was done chasing. She was done searching. She was done running. She was done looking. She was, she was settled. Now I haven't yet come to the encounter or the thing that settles her. Um, but it just reminded me in the film of Saru being settled. I mean, he, he became an Australian. He became, you know, mm-hmm. learned to play cricket and, uh, you know, speaks English with an Australian accent and, uh, you know, calls his mom as his mom. Cause uh, you know, yep. that's what they yep. do. And, and even when he goes back and meets his mom, the phone call back to his parents was really powerful where, you know, he just said, you know, you're still my mom. You're still, um, that, that he was settled mm-hmm. and what a gift and a blessing that is for any of us. But you know, how settled are you and in your life and maybe our listeners out there, maybe you got something you're searching for or something you're trying to, to wrestle with or, um, you know, and it might not be adoption. Heck, maybe it is adoption. Uh, but you know, what in your lives, brothers, is there any example where it's like you kind of were unsettled? You had a sense of maybe where you weren't, didn't belong. Uh, and how did you kind of overcome that? Or how did your belonging get settled? Father Paul's like, Joe, that is That's a really what deep question, and you're supposed to give me a month. <laughs> and it's not in our agenda, it. so I'm not prepared to right. answer that. <laughs> so Yeah. Which means Father John, Father John answers. Come to the rescue. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm changing parishes, and that's a, a very difficult thing for a priest to go through. And it's it's difficult for the parishioners to go through, but it's difficult for, you know, um, yeah, and and— but if you take everything, you know, the thing, the more and more that I grow, the more and more I realize I want to make a home on this earth. And that's not possible. I mean, yes, there's a home. Even your family, though, all of this stuff is meant as a means of sending me into an eternal reality or something that's bigger than what it is that I want. I've, I've been reflecting and praying, talking with somebody about the Roman mentality of the family. That the Roman mentality of the family was, was what is it, pater... Familia, like the the father, you know, it's like the family was everything, okay? And I was super provoked because that's the way I'm like, of course it is. I love our family and the North End and all this stuff. And and they said, uh, that's not Christian. The Christian sends. This idea that we're trying to protect our family is, is like not the spirit. The spirit sends. You go. And I think this is the case in all these little things. Like I want to protect the thing I have, the way that, that I found fulfillment. I want to make sure it's here tomorrow too. But if I have the thing that gave me fulfillment to today, if I have that tomorrow, why will I need Christ tomorrow? Like the fact I can't make anything stable for all of my needs is a, is the reason that I say, I Lord, I need you. Mm. I need you. And so in moving parishes, it is very difficult, but it's also like, God, I could turn my parish into God and my people could turn me into God. Well, it happens, right? I mean, they could think I'm the reason that they're saved, not an instrument to the one who saves them. And then maybe he's going to use a different parish and different people and a different person to show me himself again. Mm. Um, So I think, yeah, that's uh, definitely a, a huge journey. It's hard. It's not easy. But it's a good one because you learn to detach mm-hmm. and like attach yourself to Christ. I don't know how much you have read, but uh, you sound an awfully lot like Fulton Sheen. There is a movie call or a movie. There is a book that is a compilation of his writings. It's like an anthology called, I believe, The Angel's Blackboard. Look it up. You should buy it. You should read it. It's a bunch of little chapters, just a compilation. And there's a there's a section or two in there about belonging and about like this search to satiate. It's like Augustine's restless heart. And he says it's provoking, isn't it? That we want something and the minute we have it, not only do we get the fulfillment of the thing that we get, but we automatically and immediately receive an absence with it that it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, oh. I And I think of this in a lot of ways, like my office. If I get my bookshelves arranged just right, 
I'm going to feel a sense of accomplishment and purpose. And the minute I do, I look at them and I'm like, well, that didn't really do what I was hoping it would. <laughs> you know, it's like, now it looks awesome and it makes me feel, uh, uh, you know, a sense of order and whatever else creates an aesthetic environment. But immediately I'm looking for more of what, <laughs> more of what, what that thing gave to me. Uh, but Fulton Sheen has some really, really good stuff on that. And ultimately it's the father's love. It's, it's, it's the eternal embrace. It's the, the alpha, the omega, you know, that there is the fact that this thing does exist means that there is the capacity to complete it, to fulfill it, to receive it, to encounter it. And all we're doing here is just like, we're like the fish. We're like a fish in a fish tank. That's like just getting little nibbles of fish food, you know, just, but, but, you know, but eventually like we get the whole enchilada, but that, we have to wait for after death. Brothers, the movie of the month is Lion. There's uh, just a couple of minutes left as we wind down June's movie of the month, Lion. Are there any final thoughts or insights that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Well, it was interesting that it was Google Earth that allowed him to figure out where mm. he was from. You know, and so it was that whole obsession of being able to, they calculated about the distance, tried to figure out all the train routes and... You know, he looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. And then it was sort of in that moment of just frustration when he kind of tore it all down, but that he later then had kind of the revelation that helped him make the connections as to where uh, he was really from. Uh, and just the ability also, I think, is uh, to... Why did they, why is the movie called Lion? Lion. Uh, because he had been mispronouncing his name, Saru, the whole time. <laughs> Uh, and when he meets his mother, his mother is the one who explains to him that his name is not Saru, it's Sharu. And Sharu means lion. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. So we've given it a strong rating. We encourage you, if you haven't, get out there and listen to it. For July, the movie of the month for Rutten Radio is The Blues Brothers. That should draw in a lot of listeners. It is rated R, so just remember. All right, should we conclude with our family prayer together? Our Father, our Father we, we thank, thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time right here at Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. Thanks for listening.